Yeah, and I could even open the blinds because it's not the sun isn't directly coming in. I'm not as happy with that aspect as you, but it does light up the room nicely. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lofty. There's a kind of there's a there's a uh, impressionistic uh, kind of thing that happens. When I, you look at all the colors at once, there's all sorts of colors, like including the yeah. the stained glass yeah. effect on the on, on the, the ceiling. On the ceiling, yeah. I don't know. It's definitely a defined space. You know, I like it. It makes sense to me. My guts respond to it. My guts, don't you? <laughs> They have a, there, it's a positive response. Uh, that's not it. <laughs> that's not what it says. It says mostly, It's 8.59 a.m. Saturday, July the 15th, 2023. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane Show. Gee, that was... An interesting, an interesting mix, Diane. Well, you know, what? you started this before I got my tea. I know. It's weird. I just thought it would be different, you know. I got myself a cup of coffee here, and I'm going to yeah. take me a sip. I think it is different. Because we need innovation. Right, so that's what we're all about. Yeah, ham and eggs. we got to stay on the cutting edge of, you know, contemporary podcastular uh, uh, dimension of... You know, the way people on the planet think, hey, we could do it like this. Then they just go ahead and do it. They're not thinking about the consequences. They're not thinking about whether the three people that listen to the show can actually hear what Diane is saying. They're just more concerned with doing something new and wow and zowie, you know. Is that what we're all about, Bill? Well, I think it's been an innovative week here in Lake Abundance, if you have to ask. And uh, over to you. An innovative week? Oh, yeah. How so? Well, uh, for, my, uh, for my part, there have been a lot of words arranged in an order that they had never been arranged in before. So, innovation is kind of baked into that process, you know. I see. Yes. And for you, I would say thoughts, you know. A lot of George Bernard Shaw this week, <laughs> I noticed for you. And uh, I would say it was attractive up to a point, except that the guy himself was kind of an abrasive figure. He was a disturber. He was, well, he called himself a polemicist. A polemicist. And that's somebody who is an irritant mm. you know like a somebody who causes thought to because you're you're having gonna have to take your own stance in the in his thoughts right you're going to have to say i think that's stupid or yeah. you're gonna have to say yeah he forces you into the making yeah. those kinds of internal decisions which is uh, you know so I, I think he's an he was an irritant and that you, you, you kind of wonder how you're supposed to 
take this guy on in a certain <laughs> kind of way. Do I really want him in my club? <laughs> you know, kind of thing. I got I got need to be more exposed to more of his stuff, I guess. Well, <laughs> uh, when I was in high school, yes. I had purchased this book called How to Succeed in High School. <laughs> because that was the sort of high schooler I was. I wanted right. to succeed. Right. And they had all sorts of tips. It was a scholastic book. Right. From the uh, Scholastic Book Club? Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those books that I ordered they from those wonderful so catalogs. Those that, books smelled so good. And it's, it's always so exciting to get them in the mail. Yeah. That's where I got all my Homer Price books and Encyclopedia Brown and uh, what else? Did you ever read any Homer Price? I did not. Uh-huh. But in this book, and I remember this book very well because for me, I liked tips on how to do well. You know, like yeah. they would talk about doing your homework and, you know, setting aside a time and all the stuff that seems common sense but yeah. nonetheless not <laughs> but it was a uh, something that was underpinning a philosophy i already had and it kind of made it concrete in some way but they had a chapter that was a hundred books that you should read and they even divided it up i think by year uh you know like in your freshman year oh, in your wow sophomore year yeah and i remember that man and superman was part of the reading um the one of the books that you should read but i thought it was a stupid title you know i i for some reason had in my mind like superman comics i didn't have it in my mind nietzsche superman or anything like that but um it wasn't until my brother was in drama and then i started reading plays quite a lot um, because my brother would have me read with him uh, to really... memorize his lines. Yeah. And so I got used to the joys of reading a play because yeah. a lot of times when you're reading a novel, unless you have a, a very conversational uh, author like Robertson Davies, I read every word that he writes because even when he's describing a scene, it's conversational. It's not just going into beatitudes about the beauty of nature or anything it's it's actually for the purpose of the plot and right. uh, so you can really read everything but a lot of times what you're looking for in a novel is in my mind the conversations right. between the different um characters, characters. and uh so I don't know. I know that my brother and I read that, uh, I, that we read Man and Superman together um, because I remember him reading a particular line from it so well that I thought, oh, I want to read this play. Um, and then I just went into a whole exploration of George Bernard Shaw. One time I was telling Rob Folsom, our dear friend who is... Passed. Uh, who has passed, but he was um, an English literature teacher for high school. And I told him that I love George Bernard Shaw plays. And he said, well, you know why you love them, don't you? And I said, well, 
informed me. And he said, because of the strong women characters, you know, that the women characters are really strong. And it, anyway, the man in Superman had a lot of concepts that I didn't agree with. And a lot of concepts that really made me think about the way that social mores had been um, established in our culture. And, and, uh, but it was so funny. I mean, it was just, there were a lot of funny parts and also a lot of pontificating. And I love to hear people pontificate on ideas, you know. So um, I enjoyed it immensely. So I, I was talking to you about Robertson Davies because we had one evening where we just said, let's not watch TV. Let's just sit around and shoot know, the bull. Shoot the bull. <laughs> so I was telling you about how much I loved rereading Robertson Davies yet again. I'm rereading one of his books. One of my least favorite of his books that is now, I'm seeing it in an entirely different way. Dun, 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 dun. Um, mostly because I'm not, I'm not trying to compare it to any of his other books. Yeah. So, um, anyway, I was saying, I, I've reread his books so many times because I love that kind of writing. I wish I could find more writers that did this, which was to deal with very interesting topics, uh, over a broad range of <laughs> of ideas and yet have a lot of humor uh, there in Robertson Davies books I've actually laughed aloud at times um, while I'm reading and that is pretty difficult to to do to yeah. make a, a reader sitting by themselves laugh aloud but I love that that combination of interesting topics and humor and and serve wry observations so i was thinking about any other uh people that i had read that had that quality and then i thought about george bernard shaw who was somebody that i read a lot of in my i would say college um early career days okay did you read any of his novels or just the plays? I just read the plays. I I guess that he wrote novels that were not successful, but but he's a, another person would be Oscar Wilde, you know. Yeah. Um, people who have that that sensibility um, that and Oscar Wilde was during that time also. I would say a bit of uh, irritant in society, right? That they they were serving um, a a role to get people to think outside of the box. I think, and those sorts of people do become sort of social irritants. Yeah, social irritants because they're they're saying, "Wait a minute, why do you believe this? What do you think about this?" But but he always. George Bernard Shaw, in my mind, would always make fun of the character that was most like himself, the the guy who was always um, standing on the soapbox and and lecturing people, and uh, he made fun of himself a lot. So I I just enjoyed that kind of 
information. Anyway, so I listened. I found an audio book of. Um, it wasn't an audio book. It was like a radio play, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a radio. It was a radio play yeah. done by the BBC. They did a number of radio plays. Now I'm going to be looking up what other things they did, but they did a number of um, Shaw's plays. And the one that I was listening to uh, had Ralph Fiennes as the uh, main character. His name is Tanner. And it had Judy Dench in it and um, Juliet Stevenson. And it was really well done. Mm -hmm. And I could uh, picture the whole thing in my mind especially because in that kind of a um it's mostly conversation it's mostly yeah i I, there's not a lot of action to follow so you can listen to it and get a lot of enjoyment out of it but anyway it was just uh i did adventure there i was listening this week also to a krista tippett uh interview with mary oliver and and another one of, with John O'Donohue, which I'd listened to before, but I kind of wanted to listen to it again. And so, yeah, my week was not innovative. My week was uh, very saturated with a lot of thought, I right, would say. But, I, but, you know, challenging ideas and things like that. Too. Yeah. But we did watch a George Bernard Shaw play... Uh, that had Richard Briers, who's a, an amazing actor, yeah. um, and it was called Arms and the Man, and it was mainly, it was a, it was a very funny um, play, of which I was not as aware. I was not as aware of that play. I don't remember reading that one as, no. but oh my gosh. His comedic timing in that was so essential yeah. to that play being pulled off the way it was. I just, uh, I just thought he was marvelous. So, and it was kind of a, it was old, and it was when he was, when Richard Briers, who is a actor that I have seen in a lot of the Ooh. Kenneth Branagh yeah. Shakespeare, Shakespeare as an older actor. And so watching him when he was young was a real treat for me. These are all the esoteric things that I like, but... Yes, kids, this is what you can do with your retirement years. Well, you know, the thing that's so funny is uh, uh, when you're observing your own tastes regarding what you like to read and what you like to hear and all that... um, I have found that I really like things that really make me think. I like something that it's almost like a like a dog with a bone or something. I just want to chew on something and and really uh, get the the juice out of it. But I want it to have this entertaining quality about it too. Right, right. So anyway, that was that was sort of my week. The week that was. And part of what came into our lives this week is the song we're playing today, right? Oh man! What well, a, what a what a wallop! That's a song that packs a wallop. The interesting uh, 
way that this came about was that uh, my brother and I used to always share uh, music and Mixed literature and, and things that would sort of help each other understand our inner landscape. That's the best way I can say it. It was a it was kind of a shared language that we developed over time, and uh, I told Gary that on the show that I've been um, somewhat documenting my my journey through this um, period of time with uh, cancer. What? Nothing. I was waiting for the c word to come. Oh, <laughs> I'm not afraid of well, saying I it. I didn't think you were. That's why I was kind of. No, the the reason why I say it in the way that I do is that I do think a lot of people have this this quality of thinking it's this battle with cancer, and I'm actually thinking of it as more of a journey. Um, It's a cancer journey. And the thing that's really interesting about the cancer journey is you don't know that you're going to make it out the other side, really. You know, there is a... I think that that's why everybody's so terrified of talking about it because because you don't know. So did they get it all? Yeah. Yeah, that kind of stuff. And yes. if it if it reoccurs or whatever. Yeah. So um I actually think of it as a journey and I actually there was a friend of mine that I was talking to who said that uh that one of her friends who had cancer had called it a gift and she said i i don't feel like i could go to that extent uh-huh. you know of saying it's a gift and yeah. i said i kind of understand why that person said that though yeah. um because and that's why i sent you a mary oliver poem because i did not realize that she had cancer i guess she had lung cancer first and she had actually said that when she first had the lung cancer, that she said death left its calling card. And I thought that was so fascinating. Yeah. But the way that she wrote this poem called The Fourth Sign of the Zodiac, which is cancer, <laughs> um, she's had this one passage that really was... Uh, powerful one that she was saying that I mean I'm just gonna say the gist because I don't know the poem that uh, by heart but she was saying that how can I make this more urgent to you to pay attention to life I'll make it as sharp as a knife oh you was I've got it here yeah do you want me to read it sure the fourth sign of the zodiac it's in four parts One, why should I have been surprised? Hunters walk the forest without a sound. The hunter strapped to his rifle, the fox on his feet of silk, the serpent on his empire of muscles. All move in stillness, hungry, careful, intent, just as the cancer entered the forest of my body without a sound. Two, the question is, What will it be like after the last day? Will I float into the sky or will I fray within the earth or a river remembering nothing? How desperate I would be 
if I couldn't remember the sun rising, if I couldn't remember trees, rivers, if I couldn't even remember, beloved, your beloved name. Three. I know you never intended to be in this world, but you're in it all the same. So why not get started immediately? I mean, belonging to it. There is so much to admire, to weep over, and to write music or poems about. Bless the feet that take you to and fro. Bless the eyes and the listening ears. Bless the tongue, the marvel of taste. Bless touching. You could live a hundred years. It's happened. Or not. I am speaking from the fortunate platform of many years, none of which, I think, I ever wasted. Do you need a prod? Do you need a little darkness to get you going? Let me be urgent as a knife, then, and remind you of Keats, so single of purpose and thinking, for a while he had a lifetime. 4. Late yesterday afternoon, in the heat, all the fragile blue flowers in bloom, in the shrubs, in the yard next door, had tumbled from the shrubs and lay wrinkled and fading in the grass. But this morning the shrubs were full of the blue flowers again. There wasn't a single one on the grass. How, I wondered, did they roll back up the branches, that fiercely wanting, as we all do, just a little more of life? Yeah. That was a powerful poem. Yeah. And I was listening to... Uh, the Krista Tippett, and that's how I came across that poem. She read it. Um, so interesting. The points of view you can have on things, right. you know. Right. Um, but I do think it's a gift in that, that it kind of, it's... It knocks you, it, it turns a corner without... And you have no control over it. It's like your life becomes something different, not because you planned it, but because something happened. You know, it, it leads you down a different path than you would have been on otherwise. So anything you experience around it uh, is uh, gracefully given, or something almost, because your encounter with the medical community, which is not the most comfortable place to interact with has been very encouraging and, and everyone has seemed like they have a lot of time for you and and, yeah. uh, and are really, it's like you've, you've gotten a series of pep talks, you know, you're going in to talk to a, somebody who's in charge of radiating you and they're saying how, what good shape you're in and stuff, it's good. Well, and also um, this week I got an, a text message about... Um, that I had taken a questionnaire at the Fred Hutch uh, for the radiology part, and one of the answers they said led them to want to include me in a uh, what is called integrative therapeutics, I think. And they what it is is a complementary alternative medicine program that you know that uses acupuncture and. Uh, meditation and various other things uh, and so they asked me whether I would like to speak with a nurse about that I was like wow yeah you know Marie doing that sort of stuff I would love to hear yeah. what it has 
But even that, what I'm saying is, that's the gift, you know. You are in this situation, you are in something that's given that urgent knife-like, you know, you haven't got forever. And I always think about this uh, line in the Mahabharata, which I'm horribly mispronouncing, but that's about the best I can do. (laughs) Um, They had this wonderful scene where uh, a, a character was being asked a bunch of riddles. And... Uh, the riddle, the last riddle was, what is the greatest wonder of the world? And the the character who's answering the riddle says, the greatest wonder of the world is that every day people around us die. And yet we live as if we're immortal. I just always thought that was such a powerful thing. I wish I could say things that are true without crying. <laughs> it's so funny because even when I read poetry or whatever and I'm I'm getting all welled up, it isn't from sorrow or it's because I feel like I've touched some truth very deeply. Right. And I just am so overpowered by the truth that it causes me to break up. <laughs> She's breaking up. She's breaking up. But I just, uh, I really appreciated hearing that poem by Mary Oliver because it had so many qualities that that I have felt during this period of time. And I just feel like, I don't know, I feel like you need some, sometimes you need something to shake you out of the, out of the, uh, Sameness. Well, I was going to say complacency yeah. of your life. Or taking it for granted, kind of. Thing. Anyway, it's just... Uh, so I've been in the world of ideas right now, and I, which is where I really like to live. Well, me too, Diane. I know you do. I've been in it too. I've been there. I know you have. I'm yeah. just saying that's yeah. that's what my week has been because there hasn't been a lot of action it's true. Um, in the in the sense of running around and doing this and that, it's there's been a lot more ponderous thought going into Ooh. this week. Yeah. But uh, once again, going back to Peter Gabriel. Yeah. Um, this whole conversation started about the song, but my my brother. And I have always had this thing of sharing songs. And we, my brother had sent me this marvelous playlist ever since I was in high school, I think. He would make them up. He certainly would send them to me when we were not together. And so he always knew the songs I would love. Like if, if I said I don't like a country, I don't like country music, he would find a country music piece that he, I, he knew I would love. He would, I, he never allowed me to <laughs> to say that I didn't like a certain style of music. He, he just, wouldn't allow you? No, oh. he wouldn't allow me he to. Would, he would continue to try and prove yes, his point. Yes, prove his point, uh, yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, and he was always right. He yeah. always could find <laughs> the thing that I would absolutely love. Yeah, so. That's good. I like it. But uh, so when I started 
actually choosing songs for the Bill and Diane show <laughs> uh, based on what I was going through during a week. Uh, you know, I was thinking about the first couple of weeks I was doing the song Wonder, uh, you know, and then the the song um, Ready for the Storm. Right. And then last week the songs from the wood right. i was telling him on the phone about the uh, the ace of wands adventure that i was go- going on and and so while we were on the phone he said did you get my email this morning and i had not looked at my email because i was calling early on a friday morning and he said well i've i've added another song to your to your list and um, so what he wrote because I said starting my cancer journey playlist because we always do this yes and I I told him about the diagnosis and and I said I already had a, a song for recovery that I claimed when I was in the pedestrian accident it saw me through that time miraculously well and I told him about Wonder. And then I said, today's song is Ready for the Storm. I'll keep adding to my playlist and sharing it with you because we always did tell each other about our feelings through songs and literature. And so he wrote me back and said, powerful pieces. I am thinking I might share them with the congregation member who has cancer. Here is my suggestion. This is the new Peter Gabriel song. And it was called So Much. Now, I have already, uh, you know, certainly Mark Kenny, who uh, listens to our show, he'll know that I have already posted this on my Facebook page, but I still wanted to choose it for today because it is such a powerful song. I just, uh, I literally wept. Well, of course, you know, because it's true. (laughs) It's got that touching the truth quality about it and I just loved it so much I listened to it maybe I don't know 10 times yesterday Um, Peter Gabriel I always thought he he tackled some pretty difficult subjects and songs and because he tackled them with my point of view is with honesty you know like um, some of my favorite songs I just learned because I've been watching this Peter Gabriel uh, video about his his uh, musical career and I just learned that one of my favorite albums of his was not uh, seen as a great album by a lot of people at the time and that album is Us mm. and I just thought it was a remarkable album because it had digging in the dirt and in the blood of Eden and uh, let's see what other things were on there Um, Don't Give Up I think was on there Come Talk to Me you know all these songs that but I think it's because they were dealing with difficult topics you know the um Certainly Digging in the Dirt is sort of a, almost like a psychotherapy song, I think. You yeah. know, digging... Uh, digging in the dirt to find the place where you got hurt. Yeah. And The Blood of Eden, that kind of struggle to uh, for 
men and women to understand each other and um, I don't know I just I always thought Peter Gabriel had fascinating songs yep. I mean when you think about Shock the Monkey Shock the Monkey I Vigo. mean the, yeah I just or like I have the touch I always loved that song I have the touch um there's a lot of really good Peter Gabriel songs. Oh. And the, the, he creates uh, amazing musical textures in his songs. Too. Yeah. And I think some of what you were saying about what you'd been watching about him was that he would get kind of fast, so fascinated by an innovative way of making a sound or something like that that he would take too long between albums for, for the money people's uh, liking. Well, he just seems like he has too many interests uh, yeah. to contain in one avenue. Yeah. You know, yeah. he wants to he wants to pursue a lot of things, and yeah. it's for, quite frankly, the good of our world that he has. But um, but this song really powerfully grabbed me in the same way that the songs from us did when I first heard that album. Um, almost a sense of wonderment that somebody has captured uh, and distilled this essence of a certain thing down. Yeah. Yeah, he's good at that. Um, That's not easy to do. I know it's not. I, I can't imagine that it would be. I mean, even if you're talking about aging, right? That, uh, that you're talking about it in you're not including all of the aspects like the one of the aspects that I love that he was bringing up is how you become camouflaged better camouflaged as the wild child that you are you know that that the child in you is always present that you're um it just it gets hidden better by being an old person yeah than being a young person it's hard to jump up and down about something, you know. But I didn't realize it's been like twenty years since his last album, um, that the of new material. Really? That's what they were saying in oh. this. Uh, I think. I guess he and his wife right. had had some health problems. Yeah, his wife was undergoing a pretty difficult bout of cancer, um, too. I don't know what his health problems were. He just mentioned it in some videos that I watched. But, uh, boy, he's an interesting man. Yeah. Has a lot of... Uh, <laughs> he's worked in humanitarian fields and certainly within the sound world and uh, has promoted a lot of things through his real-world studios. And I just... I don't know. He's fascinating. He's a cool guy. He's a cool guy. Pardon me, I'm going to have another drink of coffee. We know a lot of cool people, Diane. I mean, we don't know Peter Gabriel. Oh, boy. Personally. It's <laughs> good coffee. But we do know a number of pretty cool people. You know, and then There's other cool people. The, people. the cool people that we know help us to identify other cool people out there that we don't know. That's what I think, Diane. Well, aren't, you glad right. I, aren't you glad I brought that little nugget to the conversation. I'm always glad that you bring little nuggets, nuggets into the conversation. Yeah. Do they dissolve in water? I think they do. 
I think they did. Yes. Anyway, for those who haven't yet experienced this song, it's a From powerful this. one. And if if you already have, I just think that the re-listening is uh, an aspect of this that is really important. Yeah. And I read something, uh, I was reading comments that people had written, and Peter Gabriel even said about this song that people, that one of his uh, compatriots in producing the song said it was the best song he'd ever written, and uh, other people hated it. Hmm. He said it seems to really divide my audience in how Whoa, they saw saw this song. Huh. And I was thinking, why would anyone hate this? But I read one woman's uh, comment that she said, the song makes me cry, It's it sounds so sorrowful. And I was thinking, does it? Does it sound sorrowful? I think it sounds thoughtful, uh, you know, that somebody's considering something. It's like somebody telling you, their thoughts in a in a deep and um, and truthful way right. you know that you're not going to be doing a song like sledgehammer <laughs> and singing these lyrics it's got to be no um, I want that played at my funeral sledgehammer yeah. sledgehammer I want to be Well, I just want to say that for me, one of the songs that was powerful to me and always uh, is in my heart is Salisbury Hill. And that same mind that came up with that about being young and having revelations, that same mind is talking about being old and having revelations. And I just love that. So much unfinished business All sticky with desire Breaking through the empty shells Of all the rockets we fired Set the navigation For the earth all warm and wet And as the longing drops away compass is reset Ah, there's so much to aim for You can shoot at the sun But all of it just comes and goes There's only so much can be done Time slips in the mirror As an old man I was born But I've grown to be a baby 
with a halo and a horn Burn up like a lightning bolt All come within a flash You look around to find the home Where the asteroid will crash Ah, there's so much to live for So much left to give This edition is limited There's only so much can be done Body stiffens, tires and aches In its wrinkled, blotchy skin With each decay, more camouflage For the wild-eyed child within Now close your eyes for a moment Look down and look above All the warmth inside of you Comes from those you love Are there so much to live for So much left to give This edition is limited There's only so much can be done So much to aim for Shooting up at the sun But it all comes and goes There's only So much can be done So much